Tales from the Rift, a podcast exploring people's experiences with drugs. Here are their stories. Now sit back, roll a joint, and let's get groovy. So, welcome to the first episode of Tales from the Rift. Yes, the inaugural episode. I learned that word recently. Wanted to throw that around. Yeah, this is your inauguration today. (laughs) Okay, yeah. (laughs) That's what's happening. Holy shit. Um, Yeah. You're you're my first guest. And um, there was- I love the premise of this podcast. Yes, I'm very excited. Like, you were, like, when I thought of this idea- um it was actually because I was telling like funny stoner stories um with one of my friends and um I had it was a couple of us and we were just like sitting around you know riffing or whatever and then I told them uh the story of like you know meeting you for the first time and then being so happy like yay another stoner comedian (laughs) and then we're so rare it's so hard (laughs) to find us we're really a unicorn out there (laughs) well here's the here's what makes it a unicorn type of situation i think if because there's like so many stoners out there but like not every single stoner do i want to get stoned with you know Oh, most of them suck. (laughs) Like just absolute, you know, like Debbie Downers or they're just like too hyper, like in your face. Yeah. Whereas like there's that really happy middle, like, you know, they're a little hype, but also still chill. And like, you know, they can just like go with the flow, like they don't get paranoid. And that's where you come in, my friend, is I remember, you know, the first time we met and then during the those string of shows we would like always go outside and like smoke up and I was like oh man this dude is so like chill to smoke up with like I just (laughs) you know I love it and um and then like the best time to smoke your doobies is between shows that is one thing for sure that is absolutely all all stoner comics can agree best times between the early and the late show get them in (laughs) you yes 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 absolutely i um yeah i uh i i've smoked up with you know quite a few comedians in my day and um there's nothing worse than like when you have to do a show with somebody and they're like yeah let's smoke up and you're like yes this is gonna be fun and then it's not fun yeah i hate that um so what i wanted to ask you was um, so you're, why don't you tell everybody like who you are? Who's Scott Belford? Why are you I, on my podcast? Well, I'm a comedian out of Calgary, Alberta. Um, uh, Issa and I met, well, a few years back now. Yeah. That was when I was living, I might've even still been living in Toronto between the, yeah. and then I you moved to Halifax Toronto. and I've toured enough too, that we ran into each other when I was in Winnipeg and like, yeah. you set up some shows for me and yeah, no, we, uh, Work together in Thunder Bay is kind of where we first met. Yeah. Yeah. So those were those were fun times. Well, that's the thing with comedy in this country, right? Is like as long as you keep doing it, you are going to run into the same people. Like it's very cool that way. Yeah. So you're a touring comedian. Did you like used to be a touring comedian? 
before before the world shut the fuck down but like yeah God, right? <laughs> oh i missed the road my friend like i would have seen you so many times in this year and we haven't yes. seen each other like since last fall i think it was like yeah you, oh i can't remember no and then i got like january and then i got stranded that's right because i i was flying to thunder bay to play the club there and yep. the weather was so bad that the plane got grounded in winnipeg and then i wound up staying the night yeah at anna's place at your friend's place there another comic uh in winnipeg and then just like hitting the road early in the morning with a rented car to get to the oh just the worst but <laughs> that was the last That's... time we saw each other it was like me driving through a snowstorm <laughs> and a very brief moment like <laughs> i actually i have that picture um floating around somewhere from when you yeah when you were stranded in Winnipeg and and that was that was a fun night that was, was. a fun night yeah. I think that's when I think that's when you were uh just writing your Yahtzee joke oh yes right <laughs> that that was fun times yeah <laughs> I love that joke by the way um did you start like did you start smoking up before you became a comedian or is that like, when did your I, journey begin? Well, I, I didn't, I didn't really start comedy till 26. So yeah, I, I started smoking pot in college and uh, trying other drugs, mushrooms and acid was fun. You know, I'll yeah. still do mushrooms from time to time. Yeah. I think I'm almost too old for acid now. It's just like too much of a commitment. Like who has 14 yeah. hours? Like, I don't want to book a vacation around it, you know, like it's, yeah. <laughs> but it's super fun. Like I did love yeah. acid, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, do you find that like the two coincided like weed and comedy? Yeah. I mean, I always enjoyed writing high anyways like yeah. I, when i was okay. in i started in radio and so i would i would always be jotting down stuff or whatever and that's you know like in radio it's very similar as comedy everyone's very tight it's a tight-knit group across the country and everyone knows each other and like pot is pretty prevalent in radio yeah. too obviously yeah. so yeah i mean i i found my stoner group or whatever and yeah, that translated to the stage pretty easily, like, you know, because in radio, you're writing everything down and trying to accumulate um, content, basically. So it's yeah. the same sort of thing. Whenever a good idea comes, I'd write it down, because when you're a stoner, if you don't write it down, you forget. So, you know, that became important. And so, yeah, um, when I got into stand up, I'll be honest, it would fuck my sets up if I got high like three hours before a show. So I, I wouldn't really? do it. Oh yeah, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I do now all the time. And I, yeah. but I'm, you know, I'm 12 years in, so I'm much more comfortable even just with myself. So yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you find that like, when, when you were first starting out in comedy and you were like, you know, smoking up here and there did you find that you were more comfortable on stage when you were drunk or when you were high oh drunk absolutely yeah. still do I really still, but it's a happy medium too though like I find 
the amount of times that I've gone on stage and had a blast and was just like, oh my God, I killed it. And then yeah. the next day, listened back to the audio and was like, oh my God, like <laughs> I was just shit faced. I was the only one having a good time. Like if there's no laughter, it's just me having a good old drunken time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what am I doing? Okay. So I've become a lot more cognizant of that. Like I'll still let loose at an open mic if, you know, when the stakes are really low, I don't mind blowing a set, but I don't really do that much anymore. But I did a yeah. lot, a lot when I first started. But I used to, you know, like I started at 26 and like kind of ran into, like I'd never, that's one thing about comedians is that they're all very like-minded or, you know, there is that kind of like-mindedness to them anyways. So I wound up falling into a group of people that I'd never really connected that much with a, an entire group before. So we were going out doing comedy every night, but really we were just going out drinking every night, right? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> drinking and doing drugs. Yeah. And yeah. Like it was more of a party than really like being super focused at the art of standup. But a lot of that was just, you, you're so nervous when you first start, right? Like yeah. were you, the, I know you started much younger than I did. You were actually like, sneaking into bars and lying about your name to get stage yeah. time right <laughs> yeah well I mean I, I was young but like I I also like I started drinking and like doing drugs like at a super young age right so, like by the time I had started like you know like I started getting booked for shows when I was a kid and um so then when I like started traveling I was already used to it and so, you know, like when you're a kid, you're just like, you're invincible. Like you can do anything and you can't do any wrong. It's the world. Um, so like, I do recognize it, you know, like looking back on those days and like, I wish I had like some sort of video recording of me back in the days, but I think I just had like this weird documentary that I made when I went to Los Angeles it was so dumb. Uh, <laughs> but I mean like I took a 10-year hiatus yeah and then you know like to have kids and to raise yeah, kids to be a mom and, then, and stuff absolutely and then when I came back you know like I was much older like I was already like in my early 30s and so you know when I came back in like early like you know at this age um yeah, I had, I actually really had a hard time doing shows sober, I found. And for the nerves? Yeah, yeah I, I think it was like for the nerves or just like there's a part of me that like I can never like really truly be comfortable in public. So there's right. always something that, you know, like I have to put forward, you know, whether that's like, you know, a different type of personality. Yeah um or like it's interesting like how that works too because i i know yeah. i i relate to that a lot with even just one pint before i get on stage and i i actually enjoy it far yeah. more too and yeah. i don't know if it's just like you just because I, you know like that is a common fear public speaking is a fear most people have right and even if you're yeah. really good at it and really polished you know, all of us have a little bit of that butterflies before you go up, even like, and I wouldn't say that I'm nervous, but I do get anxious before a show where I kind of have that feeling like, all right, let's do this. Like, let, let's get on yeah. with it already. You know, like, especially around that hour mark, once I'm an yeah. hour out from a show, I'm like, just put me on stage. Let me get this yeah. over with. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, like a part of that is, you know, because you care 
you know, you wouldn't, it mm -hmm. wouldn't be an issue for you if you didn't care for comedy anymore. And I, mm -hmm. I remember hearing like, you know, from another comedian, uh, who, you know, he's been doing it for so fucking long, but he was like, if you don't get that, like nervousness or that, you know, those, and the anxiety, like, if you don't get that before you go on stage, that's when you should quit. Cause you're no longer enjoying it. Cause you no longer yeah. care. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's dead on. I think there's, there are obviously exceptions, but those are yeah. people that are so confident in life that it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's a unicorn. Like it's so mm. rare that there's a person that's just like so confident that gets into stand up because yeah. who gets into stand up who doesn't need validation. Like, oh <laughs> like standups are sick. We literally yeah. go on stage and ask a group of strangers. You think this is funny, right? Yeah. Like I'm cool guys. I'm cool. Okay. No, fine. Fuck you then. And then you go and do it again. Like that's an illness. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's totally a fuck. I didn't ever think about that. But <laughs> Stand-up comedy is totally a mental illness. There and goes I think, another one to add to my fucking long list of mental yeah. illness. There you go, right? Finally, one that seems yeah. cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I and think it is why cute. stuff like, it's why you see it so prevalent in the yeah. comedy world, right? Of people who just like, yeah, of course I smoke a joint before I go on stage, or of course I have a beer or two or five. Like, yeah. it's just like a very nerve wracking thing. So I think that's why we tend to do that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think you're, I think you're onto something. And I actually, like, I feel like we're having more of like a therapy session. Yeah. Than we're supposed to be telling fun stories about being high and here we are. And another <laughs> thing about why I'm broken. <laughs> Here's why I'm depressed. Yeah. <laughs> I constantly Holy. need losers in small towns to tell me I'm funny. <laughs> I didn't mean that, by the way, if you're from a small town, come check me out at the next show. <laughs> oh, fucks. I mean, like, uh, small, like, I never thought that I would miss small towns. Oh, like, I miss them so much. They're the best. Like, just to play like a little, you know what I would give to be in the middle of Saskatchewan right now? Just in like playing a bar that's also the hotel and it's the only place in a like 50 kilometer range anyone can go. There's 300 people who live in the town, but the area they say it's the place to be. It's almost a thousand people in the surrounding area. That's where I want to be, right? Like making those people laugh and I miss it so much. <laughs> I like, I actually, I started missing corporates. Wow. See, this is yeah. how hard up we are. Think about yeah. that. Well, cause like I had put like, you know, every, every gig I get, I put it in my fucking calendar and uh, like, I'll have a reminder, like set a reminder for one week before the event. And then I, I have it set for like every day up until the event because my brain is fried and you know, it's corporate season coming up. And like, I kept getting all these like pings for like, yeah conference at blah 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 uh am seeing such and such conference like i miss the shit out of like and those are hard gigs like yeah corporate clean comedy mm. 
Yeah, it's funny how rarely they're fun, but how they're how you make your living pretty much, you know, like if you actually want to make a decent living at stand up, you got to be doing corporates. So yeah, you have to figure out how to make your jokes. As we're on a podcast talking about how high we always get. (laughs) (laughs) Hire us for your corporate event. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is this is a moment of truth. When you've done corporates, do you still like have a drink or get high before a corporate? No, I don't. No, no. I, I go in and I don't even have a beer until after I'm on. Yeah. Uh, for for um appearances, right? Like yeah. I would have a beer before a corporate, but I wouldn't yeah. do it in front of the client, right? And I would. Right. And and even then, I probably wouldn't because I'd be in my head, oh man, I don't want to smell like beer, right? So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I tell, like, I, I, um, that's one thing that I can't, I can't do is like trying to do like, you know, clean comedy or, you know, like a corporate show and like, you know, having like a little hoot ski before the show. Yeah. Can't do that. Cause I you like, almost don't want to feel married. loose, you know, yes. like, being loosey goosey is the last yeah. thing you want. Like, <laughs> no, I like, I want my anus. Like I want my sphincter to be so tight. It disappears. <laughs> <laughs> that's how tight I want to be so that yeah. when my comedy comes out people feel more obligated to laugh than they actually are enjoying themselves no fuck bomb slip out like no, no one fuck bomb comes out of your mouth yeah it's no, corporate even if you try like you can't yeah. it's like no, that's horns. yeah <laughs> just, just fucking start like vomiting everywhere Ugh, uh, I almost said the f word like that's yeah that's 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 what corporate comedy is and i miss it yeah yeah (laughs) i miss it so much how long has it been since you've been on stage uh right before right before the pandemic was announced so it has been march then since march Yeah. yeah yeah no i was in uh thompson manitoba and I was also doing uh, a contract at CBC as an associate producer. And so the, I had the show on a Monday, so I had to miss like a day of work. And I went out the Sunday and the person who was supposed to go with me had actually canceled because something really bad had happened to her. And um, so I had to go by myself as like the only comedian. And uh, I had to bring my family because we all know Issa doesn't drive or have a license. No. And uh, nor do they want one. No. (laughs) You do not want Issa. Don't think that this is some sort of goal. Absolutely not. (laughs) No, it's not something I'll be working towards. I'm just like I want to have enough money where I can like pay other comedians to drive me around. Hey, you want to go on tour with me? I'll pay you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the I, I was in Thompson, Manitoba. And as we were driving in, that's all they talked about on the radio was the coronavirus. And then um, that Monday, the pandemic was announced. Yeah. And then a couple days later. What a fun uh, announcement that was. Eh? Surprise! It's a pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. everyone's like, no, it's not. Come to my comedy <laughs> show. It's a pandemic. Yeah. 
Um, the show was actually pretty fun because I had to open for myself um, and then take, a, uh, they wanted to take a 20 minute break. And then I came back and I headlined for myself. Hey. <laughs> so I had to do like an hour of clean corporate material. It was beautiful. Um, You're like, I'm then, sorry for my opener. Had, had they been a little better, I would be doing much better myself yeah, right now. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was weird. That was pretty epic. Uh, and then we came home and I went into work and uh, the, we, our city went into lockdown. And that, that was the last time. Wow. That was the last time I did comedy on stage was March. Huh. Yeah, see, I, uh, I kind of got back into it over the summer. But I mean, I haven't done a show in probably three weeks now. Like it's crazy in Alberta right now, right? So yeah, and yeah, entertainment's been shut down. The bars yeah. are still open, but entertainment's shut down. So oh, we're shut the fuck down. Like yeah, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm aware. The whole country is other than Alberta. Like yeah, and Saskatchewan, yeah. the two yeah. strongholds. Well, here the one thing that isn't shut down is schools. Yeah, that's not shut down because that's not where COVID is spread but it's definitely where COVID is spread and how it's spreading. Well, we all know the kids are super spreaders. Every single kid yeah. out there is just out there. They have it. They're giving it to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a parent. I have two kids and yeah. like every year, like clockwork, they come home. I'm fine. And then school starts and I fucking get sick. Yeah. Like every week. And uh, I also work with kids. Like I teach theater classes as another side hustle. And uh, yeah, those kids would like be coming in with like snotty noses, like sneeze in my face. And at least they're wiping it off with their hands and then yeah. onto their pants and then moving yeah. on with their life. That's the thing yeah. about kids, right? Cleanliness is, is A1 with kids. That's not oh. a saying, that's not a thing. <laughs> So keep those schools open. We all know yeah. why they're doing it. It's that they don't want to dish out the babysitting money that would it would take to make it worth it for the parents to take the kids out. Like a lot of these yeah. parents just rely on the kid on the school to like, especially when a kid, like I remember when I became 11 years or maybe it was 12 years old, grade five or six. And my parents yeah. were like, ah, you're old enough. When you get home after school, you fucking look after yourself. Now we're going back, you know, like you're good. Like you, you need to survive for five hours. So we are for three or two hours or whatever it is before we get home yeah. from work. Right. So that yeah. three to five window, like, yeah, I remember my parents, as soon as I hit that age and then ever all my younger siblings after that, they were like, Kate, now you're just looking after them too, Scott. You're old enough. Good. <laughs> so. Yeah. Whereas like now in the school is like, you know, it's like up until like grade five or something where they the like the teachers will actually like wait with the kids and like you almost have to like sign them off and be like yeah I'm here I'm their parent yeah you have my identification so yeah no fuck fucking schools it's messed up um so what I want to talk about is Scott has his favorite things to smoke up what are they um well i love vaping it's probably my favorite right now when did you start vaping well when i say like i've i've vaped my weed for like okay 
so here's a story. So when I was when I was 29, I had convinced myself that I had lung cancer. Like I just honestly, I I was dead convinced. And I, this was a very big concern when you think you have lung cancer. Obviously, it consumes your entire career, your entire life, right? Like so, I was just because I googled it. I had like. I had like deep, deep pains in my lungs and like, I would like struggle breathing and stuff. And so I like, I go to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, what do you think is wrong? Like how many packs of cigarettes a day do you smoke? And I'm like, oh, I don't smoke cigarettes. And he's like, what? He's like, do you work with asbestos? Like what makes you think you have lung cancer? I'm like, well, I've Googled it. So I kind of know what's going on, I guess. Like it's just, it sounds like me. And he's, I'm like, I do smoke joints. And he's like, marijuana can't do that. I'm like, he's like, how many joints do you smoke? And I'm like, I don't know, like six, seven, eight a day. He's like, you're smoking eight joints a day and your lungs are sore. And you're, he's like, I'll tell you what, quit smoking. Come back in a week if it still hurts. Literally, it's a two days later. I was like, oh my God, I can breathe. I feel great. Like, <laughs> So then I was like, well, I'm being a fucking idiot. So I went and bought a vaporizer, like a handheld vaporizer and started doing that. And like my lungs cleared up and they stopped hurting. And like, so now I only smoke joints like with people back when we were still allowed to smoke joints with people. But uh, I I mean, I still roll a mean joint. I still like to, I still like the process of rolling it. That's another thing. Like this little pen here, like fucking dangerous, you know, because you never have to reload up like it's just like always ready as long as it's in your hand you can keep like pulling off of it and then at the end of the night I'm like oh my god like I can't get up like (laughs) what stops me from getting more weed is normally I'm too lazy to get up and pack another ball or roll another joint right yeah yeah (laughs) oh man do you find that with vaping like is it still tough on your lungs uh yeah when I can tell when I have a heavy day like I I, I feel like my lungs aren't the best. Like I probably smoked too much in my twenties, you know, doing stupid shit like buckets and stuff, you know, yeah. like two liter pop bottles into sinks <laughs> of water for all the dirt bags out there. They know what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> you're like, I'm a dirt bag. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh God, those things would get so dirty so fast. Oh. And you're just like, You'd use them for way too long. Oh, I never, and they were just two liter pop bottles. I could have, you know, you could throw it out every, use it once. It could just be a use once thing. Nope, I'd keep it for six months and it would be like, (laughs) you couldn't see through it. It was black, right? It was black. (laughs) I'm like, and you're just like, wow, it's so smoky inside there. Oh, no, that's mold. Yeah. This isn't like my lungs at all. Holy shit. Um, So you're vaping now. I'm vaping now. I got into edibles, which was something that, uh, that took some edibles. People don't understand how strong eating weed can be. Like, honestly, I've got a couple mushroom stories that like probably the highest I've ever been. And then right under it is like, uh, you know, this horse pill thing my buddy made it's funny because he got into making cookies and then he read about this thing online where you can like ultra concentrate it into like this pill and it was it looked like a horse pill like it looked like a big pill so I took this 
hour and a half went by hour 45 and it hadn't kicked in and I just thought it didn't work so I'd wound up being like all right buddy like we'll see you later I take off I get on the road and then I this is in Edmonton and I'm just driving down 170th by West Edmonton Mall for anyone who knows where that is right and I all of a sudden it starts snowing and as the snow comes down it starts to have like this Star Wars effect on me where like <laughs> <laughs> It just feels like I'm in the millennial Falcon and just like things are just like getting out of control. Right. And I start to panic and I am like a seasoned weed person, you know, like I'm yeah. trying to tell myself you're just high. It's fine. You're almost home. I wasn't almost home. So I was within range of my brother's place. So I finally, I pulled over and I called him and I was just like, man, I am like losing my mind here <laughs> so he literally came up and like i was so stoned that like i wound up sleeping on his couch for oh, like 12 shit. hours like <laughs> i woke up the next day i'm like it's almost noon i'm like i missed work i'm like what the fuck like <laughs> oh god that's good that's good yeah yeah so my my favorite story with you uh i'm gonna tell this story and then i'm gonna set you up to like tell your epic like the you know coup de gras so you're in winnipeg uh doing shows like we'd set up some shows and i stupidly had like set you up for shows during uh, reading week, like during spring break <laughs> for uni students, which is like my entire audience base is like university students. It's because my comedy is smart. Yeah, I can tell because no. of your glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we both have very smart comedy, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Just a couple um, of geniuses doing a podcast. What do you do? <laughs> so high, I'm so high right now. <laughs> So you're in Winnipeg and uh, I was like, hey buddy, we're going to get really high and then we're going to go to the museum. But first what I have to which, do which is- Which to, to respond to that, I was like, no, no, not that. <laughs> Please, anything As I that. normally say, two free drugs. No, no, no. <laughs> drugs and an adventure, not- not this guy. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> Hire me for your corporate show. All right. <laughs> and like I, because my kids were still in school because school used to be a thing. Right. And um, I dropped my kids off at school. And then I remember you were like, well, I have like a couple phone call things I have to make. And then, uh, and then we'll go. And then I was like, yeah, cool. That sounds good. I'll take a shower. And then I took a shower and then realized that my bed looked super comfortable. <laughs> I forgot about this part. <laughs> and I set a, an alarm clock for myself and my alarm went off. And I guess I must've just like pressed like fucking snooze. As one does with an alarm, yes. <laughs> and you had come over and like you were knocking on my door and like even like I think like talking through my window and I like <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't wake up and like I had said I said like while you were here I was like my back door is open you can come in anytime like doesn't matter what time it is like mi casa su casa 
and uh you sat on my deck I think for like I think you said 20 minutes before it you was actually... nice out if it had been cold there's no <laughs> way I would have done that <laughs> and then you came in and I remember like hearing you like at my door and realizing that someone was in inside my house and then I hear hey buddy <laughs> yeah and I That's remember just you're like, nailing my you're nailing your my your impersonation of me that is I buddy way too much hey buddy you all right <laughs> hey buddy, buddy. <laughs> museum time eh? <laughs> how about museum <laughs> and I remember just like being like so horrified I'm like <gasps> I'm I'm asleep and I was supposed to go to the museum, something that I've been talking about this entire time. You were here and here I am, I slept through it. But we ended up, we, we did go to the museum. I did make you take the bus um, because again, I don't drive. And you're a pro at the bus and you were just showing off one of your uh, hidden skills. Yeah. For those, well, for those out there who don't know, it's a bus master. <laughs> it's true yeah. I go to like every time I go to another city like for to do comedy I always like that's how I get to know the city is I'll take the bus like Saskatoon I know that bus route like so good all of them because I was there for a week doing library tours and uh yeah Toronto again like I I took the bus I got lost and I ended up having to uber after I took the bus for like <laughs> nothing like screwing up your bus route so badly that you're like I'm not investing the hour 45 to fix this mistake like yeah <laughs> and I was so high because I was in Toronto and I was uh for tv but I ended up doing like uh like a, a smaller gig um I can't remember what it's called but it's like a weed show and uh I did this show and I got really big before it, but then I was like, hey, is there anywhere where I can like get edibles? And like edibles is like still on the down low in Canada. Right. And so somebody told me where, but like when I walked in, they were like, yeah, you have to be like, you have to be really cool for them to let you in. So just like act super cool. And then I went into the shop and I was like, hey, I hear you have edibles. And he was like, are you cool? Yeah. And then he let me upstairs. <laughs> Can you like, imagine failing that it? test? Can you imagine failing that test? Are you cool? Um, like <laughs> how? <laughs> <laughs> I like the days confused. Yeah. Thank you. You got it. All right. <laughs> Be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nailed it. <laughs> But uh, so I, I, I bought these edibles, like I, when you came to Winnipeg, I had ordered more of them because I like, mm -hmm. I fell in love cookies with Cookies and cream. Yeah, the cookies and uh, cookies and cream. And uh, I have no I memory, but I will definitely remember the weed you give me. I don't know what my uh, problem is. <laughs> absolutely. I, like, I remember the guy was like, oh, just take like ha ha half a piece. He's like, they're really strong. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Do you yeah. know who you're talking to? Yeah. Don't tell me how to take my weed. I'm the potheads are the worst. You can't warn us. We'll take yeah. it as a personal insult. Like you think yeah. I'm a fucking rookie? You don't think I know how to do pot? Like <laughs> So I ended up taking two. Of course you did. To did. show I... him who's boss. <laughs> yeah. 
And I ate them in front of him too. I'm like, there's that sass face. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that before. <laughs> and then, and then I, I ate them and uh, I took myself out for dinner and like, I remember like, it was like the best dinner I had too. It was ramen and it was just like, oh, amazing. And then it, that's, that's when it kicked in and I was like, oh, I should take the bus back to my hotel. <laughs> Got on the bus and like, I, I'm pretty sure it was like an hour and a half later and I texted my producer and I was like, dude, I'm lost. I'm lost in Toronto, I'm scared, help me. And he was like, God damn it just get in an uber and i was like yeah. oh yeah oh. i just have to tell them where i am and they'll come and get me <laughs> and then I, I texted you that night too because i had made like a pillow fort <laughs> and i i was like so high i'd made a pillow fort and i was like i i am now a fetus i'm now safe within my cocoon made of pillows <clears throat> But I was really high, but not as high as you were when uh, when when uh, this whole thing that's about to go down. So we're going to get to yours. I really hope I remember what you're setting me up for here. <laughs> we're getting we're getting to yours, your 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 epicness. Like so what I what I ask each guest is to. Give me a story that like almost defines your, you know, your high, like what, like what was that one, that one high, that one like most memorable, like epic, like it could be like, here's the thing is that everyone has like their own experience that defines them, right? Yeah. Like some people it's like, oh, this funny thing happened and it's like a funny story. Or for some people it's a, you know, oh, this thing happened and it scared me and I fucking never touched the stuff ever again. Or, you know, like this one yeah. time I got arrested. Everyone's story is gonna be different. So there's no like sort of wrong way that you can go about this. Okay. It is that it is your your you know piece of uh, of your soul that is very tainted with marijuana and mushrooms and acid <laughs> yeah okay well um for sure the story is the first time i ever did mushrooms then yeah. um so i was in college uh the first semester had just finished so it was may i had gotten in because i wasn't very smart so even though i got into radio television i didn't get into the september semester i got into the january semester which everyone knows that means that you're like the the back end of the 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 pile they're choosing right so may came around <laughs> our first semester was over i had moved from grand prairie to edmonton to take radio television and i decided that i was staying in edmonton over the summer because all of my buddies that i'd made in radio were there and we were drinking every night we were having a great time and my one buddy james galise actually i haven't seen the guy in forever but shout out to james if he ha happens to hear this or something because like mushroom to open my eyes so we i went over to his place and we were just playing some video games and he was like hey so how much do you, you want to do and i was like i don't know like i've never done mushrooms i have no idea which is such a broad question too because like now that i i quite enjoy mushrooms like 
I'm a one gram guy. Like I just, yeah. I don't, I don't need to see God. I don't want another life <laughs> epiphany. Like I just want to like, you know, have a good time and like laugh a lot and like yeah. the joys that are mushrooms. Right. So yeah. I'd never done them before. And he was like, well, like normally two to three does me pretty good. So like, why don't we just do two and a half each? And I'd never done it before. And we go out walking. It was a beautiful day. And we go down to this dog park and it starts to kick in. And you know that like, because when mushrooms first start to kick in, there's a bit of, I, I want to say panic. It's not not really panic that's not the feeling but your body's like okay something's happening yeah and like your mind starts to race and you're like this isn't normal and especially if you've never felt it before but i find mushrooms every time you take them that's kind of there's like that yeah. 15 minutes of kind of getting your feet under you type of thing yeah. yeah so at first i was kind of starting to panic but my buddy was so chill and so cool about it and we're just outside and we're walking that like i just like got myself together really quick and i remember um it felt like there were pink spider webs over everything like my vision i was just fucking seeing stuff like crazy like all integral patterns and you know how like the grass will crawl or whatever so like yeah. i'm just like i'm just like this is unbelievable and just this extreme sense of joy and i remember too that the dogs like it just like felt like such an epiphany to me that the dogs were so happy that's what I kept saying to my buddy James I'm like man like look at how happy the dogs are which they probably were pretty happy I mean they're at the dog park right it's probably the highlight of their day but I was just like they're beaming joy man like everything's so great and like it really did for the first time I felt the interconnectedness of everything. You know what I mean? Anyone who does has ever done a hallucinogenic <clears throat> drug knows what I'm talking about. Just like where you're yeah. like, okay, like I feel the earth. We're all part of it. We're all one or whatever. And I'd never felt this before. So like, it was just so eye-opening. And what was really funny too, Issa, is that I was so broke at the time and I was really struggling as to how I was going to make rent in June and I was panicking and stressing and full of anxiety and like at the end of the night it, I did just like this awakening kind of washed over me where I was like I just need to get a job like I have a great life I'm having so much fun like I just and which is so funny because a lot of people don't need to do drugs to figure out that they need a job. But like, that was an epiphany I had. To, like, I was just so stressed that I was looking for work a bit, but like, you know, that I did mushrooms and was like, no, just go get one, right? Like, so I just, the next day I went out and I just like literally printed off my resume and went to every single place in the area. And I had a job in two days, right? Like, I was just like. <laughs> uh, you just needed a hallucinogenic to make you a responsible human being. That's right. Yeah. Oh my God. So <clears throat> when you like, when you did mushrooms the first time and uh, like you touched a little bit on this, but like you said that you felt like that interconnected connectedness, like, you know, yeah. like you, what can you go into like a little bit more detail as to like, what is like this interconnectedness? I can't even say the word. Like that's how high I am. I'm like yeah. interconnectedness. <laughs> um, so 
I just feel like we all, I mean, we're, I guess we're going to get a little spiritual here, but I feel mm-hmm. like we are all connected. And when I say that, I mean that the earth is kind of our, our home base, our mother, if you will, mother earth. Right. And like yeah. everything is derived from her and, and comes from that. And that, you know, I, you kind of, when you do, I, I don't know why it is that that's kind of the feeling you get when you do hallucinogenic drugs, but it really is. Yeah. And you kind of, you kind of trees are magical. Like you just look at them and you're like, this is incredible. Like this is, this is a living, breathing thing. And like nature is incredible. And you just have like this love for every, everyone that just, you normally, you know, so often in life, we tend to as humans say fuck our neighbor way more than we should yeah. and it was really eye-opening and really great to kind of feel that you know and I, honestly I don't really feel it that much anymore but also I don't I don't delve into drugs like I used to right like yeah. if I'm doing mushrooms I'll do them and I'll do you know a few caps and I'll do a few caps throughout the whole night but I'm not probably doing enough to really get that but if once you feel it once you know it's there right and like sometimes you just need to remember that yeah (laughs) like you know if it's like the butterfly effect or whatever right how the wings can make a hurricane down the road like it it, it's like that with humankind it feels like and that was just one thing that that mushrooms did for me anyways i mean I'm just sounding like a big hippie here, but that's where, that's where hippie culture came from, right? It's drugs. Like, it was like, well, yeah, 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 totally. You know, like I heard so many stories, like, especially my parents, um, you know, cause the drugs are so different nowadays than they were back then, you know, everything was so much more organic back then. Whereas, yeah. you know, now you have like such, you know, genetically modified, you know, yeah, they know the most effective way to drain our serotonin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't produce it on my own anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, like I, I think, you know, cause like when you're a comedian, like people just like think that, you know, especially when you do it for a living, like, you know, you're on the road or, you know, you're a corporate comedian and, you know, make your money that way. Like it it does become a big part of your life. And people often think of comedians as, you know, like constantly like this jocular type of person, you know, not thinking that there's anything outside of comedy or anything outside of your personality that isn't, you know, constantly riffing or shitting on something yeah and so you know listening to a comedian talk about you know like feeling interconnected with with mother earth or you know like you know talking about that human connection because when you're doing comedy like you 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 have an audience and you're captivating them and you're making them care about you through you know through laughter and um it's so it, like it's so hard to think of comedians outside of what they do yeah and so like and that that's why uh the story about like us you know going to the museum that's yeah. why like that's why it was one of my favorites because like we went to the museum and we we're really high and we we're getting like so philosophical yeah. about so many things and I was like this fucking white motherfucker <laughs> 
white male cis motherfucker yeah. is what is what is going on here like you were just like you know we were talking philosophically you're talking about you know fucking genocide and racism and you're just like fuck whitey like in the middle of the museum like it was you know, like for, for me, like as an indigenous comedian, like, especially since, you know, like I'm non-binary, I'm, you know, queer. And so, you know, experiencing that with, you know, a white, cis, straight male, it was like, it's- that If you're going to put me in a box, sure. That's the box yeah, to put me in. Yeah, that, that is your box. But it was, again, it was like so refreshing to experience that. Because like not, you know, not too many people who are in my position get to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough thing, you know, being able to trust comedians. And, uh, you know, I can proudly and efficiently say that, you know, you're one of those very few comedians that I actually trust. Well, I am honored to hear that. But buddy, I would do, uh, I would do drugs and go to a museum with you anytime like <laughs> wander around dinosaur bones and talk philosophical i'm out for it fucking <laughs> yes and that's why like that's why this pandemic sucks so much i think was because it it took away you know like my way of communicating with people yeah. you know like because outside of comedy like i'm not you know like i'm not a bar hopper I, you know, like I also do drag, so it gets me mm-hmm. into the bars a little bit more, but outside of entertainment, like I don't do anything. Like I, yeah. you know, I'm very much like a cat. Like I'll be super, you know, fun and exciting outside of my home. But most of the time when I'm home, like I just, you know, I'm, I'm a cat. I'm very similar and it does give us a reason to get out of the house. Like I miss, yeah. and I think we, we touched on this earlier in the podcast too, where it was just like, that's what's so great about comics is that we do have like that similarities within our ranks and like yeah. just we all relate to the the struggle and the the push we're all putting ourselves through right so God, I miss it. that like I miss comics I miss comics across the country like yeah. that's the thing is like I, I and I've talked about this on a few podcasts actually where it's just like 60% of my income is on the road it's touring you know yeah. and then like with 30% of my income being corporates, like that's 90% just gone, you know, like yeah. I can't tour or travel. So I'm picking up the odd one nighter here in Alberta or the odd club show, but you know, there's no money in clubs. Like they're the most fun yeah. thing in the world to play, but you don't make any money. Like, no. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's what, I know. <laughs> what I'm saying is I miss you, bud, too. You know, like I, I miss you too. And I miss everyone. <laughs> like I miss the connectedness of the club. Comedy, comedy community <laughs> yeah yeah no that's uh that well you can very... tell i'm right baked now eh? <laughs> oh yeah like i love everybody man <laughs> <laughs> i miss you all <laughs> yeah and then you know the i think the cool thing though is like you know during the last sort of epic pandemic which was you know the what was that the black plague Right, just a short 100 years ago. The Spanish flu, yeah. I think, was the last. Yeah, the Spanish flu. Yeah. Um, and people didn't have Zoom. Like, they didn't have, oh. you know, social media. Like, you know, the technology was non-existent. 
And so, you know, during this time, like I'm hurting, you know, like my parents live, you know, a couple blocks away, but I can't see them. Yeah. Cause we're in code red and, uh, being able to like see somebody's face and hear their voice at the same time, like in real time. Yeah. I think for me, that is definitely made this a little bit easier. It's true. It, we could have had that had this happened in 2000, like 20 years yeah. ago, it, like it would have been so much more difficult to get through. Oh God. Can you imagine like on MSN, like miss you tap, 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 yeah. tap, 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 tap. <laughs> yeah shit well this was fun honestly just chatting with you it's been too long it really has been we should probably chat more often yeah agreed yeah we we have to just do a podcast to to catch up no kidding god (laughs) i'm so fucking lazy too that's the other thing but i'm I'm honored i get to be the first guest on this this is like this was so fun and again i really do love this idea i think you're on to something here so all the best with that and stuff like that it's great thank you i have like 14 guests lined up amazing oh shit yeah. you're getting jumping right in yeah yeah it's gonna i uh it's i wanted yeah i've been wanting to do this like even before the pandemic hit but i know like... you've told me about this like a year and a half ago you told me about this <laughs> <laughs> You're like, are you calling me lazy? (laughs) Stop throwing, stop throwing rocks in your glass house there, Belford. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, but I'm glad, I'm glad we did this. And I, you know, again, like I I would do it again. And yeah, I've got more, I've got more high stories I can lay out if you ever need me back for a second time. That'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I definitely will be. I'll probably bring you in a few times. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm gonna do this for a while. Um but I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go to the rest of your other life. Okay. Say hi to Taylor. I definitely will. She says hi right back. She misses you. Yeah. I'm yeah I miss you guys like the Dickens it's nuts yeah yeah well soon enough we'll see you in like 2035 when this is all over so (laughs) (laughs) all right take care my friend this was awesome all right cheers thank you bye bye Tales from the Rift was recorded on Treaty 1 territory, home of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Diné, and homeland of the Métis Nation. Tune in next time for our next trippy tale.